We are taking a short break in our series through the book of Matthew uh, for a series that's been on my heart for some time now, and I've been looking for an opportunity to address this. Uh, The title of this series that we'll probably be doing intermittently is, Why Do We Do This? Why do we do this? And it's meant to encourage an informed mindset of our worship. You guys know that I grew up in this church. I I was the little guy running around making noise in between these pews. And and funny enough, growing up in this church, there are just some things you do just because that's what you do. Especially when you're young, that's how it's perceived. But beginning at college, you know, I was away for a number of years, 10, 15 years, something like that. And, you know, I experienced other movements of God in other different churches in different settings that have different style worship than we do. And that was refreshing for me. It was helpful. Kind of broke from the mindset of, well, this is just what we do. But you know what? Coming back to this church has been such a refreshing thing for me, especially in the sense that coming back here, I'm realizing, wait a minute, those things that we do, just because we do them, have profound meaning to them. There's nothing in our bulletin of our flow of worship that is completely meaningless. There's nothing is just because that's what we do. So whether we recognize it or not, our flow of worship is very thought out. Every part serves a purpose, whether we recognize it or not. But if we don't know that it's purposeful, you can approach it like it's meaningless. And if we've learned anything from our study in Matthew and looking at the Pharisees, or when we went through the book of Galatians together, there's no merit in purposeless religion, in doing something just for the sake of doing something. There's no brownie points in the kingdom of heaven, if you will. So the first question I want to address in this series is why do we gather together in the first place? Why do we come together? I mean, surely this this is the year 2021. Gathering together is an antiquated model, isn't it? Come on, we have all these live streaming services now, even at our church. I mean, why are we even bothering to get together, some might say. And asking, what am I really missing by not being here? And so, well... Perhaps it's more than you think. And perhaps even by asking the question that way reveals, maybe we don't really understand what's going on here and, how, and the way God moves in services like this. And so I want to say this right off of the bat. What I'm about to say does not apply to our homebound members that are watching us online, people checking us out for the first time, feeling out if this church is for them or not, or uh, people who are sick or chronically ill. That, this is a completely different category in my mind. So please hear my heart as I say what I'm about to say this morning. Because to, to those of you who are in that category, attending exclusively online sure beats the alternative of just not being connected to the church or any church at all. That's, that's, that's far worse. But even for my, I think of even myself, when I had back surgery a number of months ago, I was still had a connection to this place. I was still able to hear how God was ministering to you guys, to the pastors that were coming in and speaking, and that ministered to my heart as well. So again, there's a place for that. So to help us wrap our mind around what I'm driving at, it's important to ask the question, 
Well, what is the church in the first place? What is the church? Have you thought about that? The, New Te- the word the New Testament always uses for church doesn't connotate a building. And many of us know this, but the word always means the people. Fully expressed, the word means the called out assembly. The called out assembly. Just by just the dictionary definition, it means those who have been called out. As the New Testament calls those of us who are Christians, called out of darkness and into God's marvelous light. Called out in the sense of how we are sanctified, made holy by God, by the work the Holy Spirit is doing in our hearts. And, and when those who believe the gospel, those who have experienced that inward change, are assembled together, there's your church. That is what the church actually is. One commentator actually said the, the church is the community of God's redeemed people. All who have truly trusted Christ alone for their salvation. The relationship between its members results from their common identity as brothers and sisters adopted into God's family. Don't you love the warmth of those words in that definition? Th- think about it. We, uh, community common identity, brothers, sisters, adopted, family. Those are warm words. Those aren't loose associations between its people. That connotates such a beautiful warmth. And that shows you it really is about the people, not the brick and mortar, not this stuff up here. And so so with that in mind, you know, without gathering together, a church is not a church if there's no gathering. If, if you guys aren't here, I'm just a guy with a microphone. This isn't a church, if that's the case. Um, fun. And fun. It's, it's like trying to describe a car without wheels, without there being people in a church. You know, you, there's a lot of stuff going on, but the power is gone. The ability for it to move and breathe and do something is gone. You know, we used to understand this concept better. This very denomination that we're a part of used to fiercely argue that this building should not be called a church. For centuries, they called it the meeting house. The meeting house. Because this is where the church meets, but is distinct from the church. It's simply the place where the church meets. Even the word sanctuary is misleading because that word means holy place. Now, there's nothing holy or sanctified or special about, you know, the the sheetrock in this place. This place isn't holy, but the people inside of it who are redeemed by the blood of Christ are. The sanctuary, if you will, the sanctuaries come into the meeting house as we're all dwelling places of the Holy Spirit within us who believe in Christ. So that's really the way we should start thinking about this. We ought to start reclaiming that starting today, that as we start thinking about the church, think less about brick and mortar and more about people. Thinking less about the beautiful stained glass windows and more about the people sitting next to us in the pews, because that is truly the church. Because, like I said, if I come in here in the middle of the night, there's no church here. 
It's just me hanging out by myself. <laughs> and again, if this, but yet if this place were to burn down, God forbid, but if it were, the church is still here. The church would still exist even if this building did not. So in many ways, we have this backwards. And, and I'm going so far out of my way to emphasize this point because we need to understand that the church is the assembly. The church is the people gathered together. And if you aren't part of the gathering, you're not part of the church. And I don't say that to be judgmental any more than if, you know, than as we read in our first reading in 1 Corinthians 12, if the ear is separated from the body, the ear is no longer part of the body. In the same way, if we're not here, we're not part of the church. It messes with the analogy that 1 Corinthians 12 says. And, and again, there are tons of exceptions to this that are worth noting, but this, this point needs to be emphasized. And look, there are, there are people that are part of this church that aren't here every Sunday. I mean, we have at least one person that I'm aware of that is, tunes in every week online and gives to the church and is part of a lot of the things that go on behind the scenes, is at a lot of our events, but can't be here because of a work reason. We understand that. They're still part of our community, even if they're not here at one specified time. So please hear what I'm saying about that. They're still a very active part of this body. But think about it. Um, when we read our text from Hebrews 10 that said, consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That's hard to do if you're not here. If you're not around, we can't do that. I can't disciple you. I can't pray for you. I can't encourage you uh, at, as an individual one-to-one -one if you're not here and I can't get it into your life. If you're just following from a distance. Those are things that you are missing out on for your own betterment. And it's the same thing with how, you know, it's the same thing with how Elaine finds you guys and puts you to work. <laughs> <laughs> but she can't, she can't find, even she can't find you if you're not here. And for clarity, she's not doing that for our betterment. It's for yours. You know, the Bible talks about how we get crowns in heaven for serving Jesus and for doing things in his name. It's for your betterment. You're the one missing out, not her or us. It's really about, and, and unless you're part of the assembly and we don't know that you're there, we can't be that spiritual resource to you like we desire to be. And by the way, there's, there's this unsaid assumption for why people think that they can have their own separate spirituality. Those people who say, oh, I don't need church. I have my own private faith. There's an unsaid assumption to that. And that assumption is that you don't need anyone to help you in your faith. You don't need anyone to come alongside you. You're fine as you are. Well, let me tell you, Jesus loves you just the way they, you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. We're all to work. We, we're missing this opportunity to help one another. And I say that that assumption was unsaid, because once we say it out loud, we kind of see what the problem is. 
We, we, we see that we are meant to be with each other, that we do need help in our walk. I do. I have people I confide in. I have people that pray with me and for me and encourage me regularly. We all need it. And to me, that's, it's just what happens when you take a piece of wood out of the fire before, too early. You know, without, the, without it being used with the rest of the fire, you know, that piece is just gonna, it's gonna stop burning. It's gonna go unused. It's not gonna reach its potential. It's not gonna warm others. It's just gonna burn out on its own. And it, it, it's funny because it, the way that I'm phrasing it it's not just about you in the first place. As Christians who are part of one body, we are all concerned for each other, not just for what we can get out of it. I mean, think about it. If you, st if you stub your toe in the morning, <laughs> your whole body reacts to it. You're hopping on one foot, you're hopping on the other one, and your whole body's aching in pain. You're grabbing it and you're... Put, put, putting, a, putting medicine on it, I don't know, but your whole body reacts when one part is injured. In the same way, the whole body works together. And if you are not here, we're all missing out. We're all missing out on what you are uniquely contributing to the body. The gifts that you could be using your friendships that you have that encourage others. The way that I watched some of you guys walk in this front door and immediately 10 people smile. Just glad to know that you're here. We miss that when you're not here. And I could go, I could just go around the room and point those all out individually. I could go around the room and point out your unique contributions, whether it be helping out with the music, helping out with the finances, helping out replacing light bulbs, running wires all over the building. I could do this all day long. You guys all do so much, and we are grateful to have this community all working together. But, and I know some of you might say, oh, John, you know, that's cute and all, but, you know, I'm not a public speaker like you. You know, that, that really doesn't apply to me. I'm not a numbers person. I'm not musically inclined. I'm not this. I'm not that. And you don't have to be. We need you and the gifts that God has uniquely given you. That's what we need more than anything else. We don't need what God hasn't given you. And, you know, I used to struggle with this idea personally for a long time. About 10 years ago, I was really impressed with two pastors in particular. And I was so envious of their particular giftings. And I was convinced in my mind that this world would be better off if there were two of them and zero of me. I was convinced of that for a while. And... It took me some time to realize the most offensive part of that kind of thinking that led me eventually to repentance, which is that there's an underlying assumption when I think like that, that says to God, you made a mistake for making me like this. You forgot to give me this gift. You didn't make me enough of this. You didn't make me enough of that. You didn't give me this gift. We're accusing God of sin when we think like that. We're accusing God of forgetting something for making me insufficient. That's accusing God of, of a wrongdoing. That, led, that realization led me to repentance. 
And I encourage you, if you're in that same boat, to think through that critically as well. We might do it naively, but that's what we do. I mean, if God needed two people to be exactly alike in their giftings, he could do that. There's no reason why he couldn't. But he doesn't. Because he has a unique plan for every single one of us. To use each of our giftings uniquely for his glory. In ways he couldn't do with two copies of the same person. And you know, what God could have done if God had made a copy of one of those other two gentlemen, I can only speculate. But I can say this with certainty. They wouldn't be here right now. They wouldn't be serving in this church for this season right now. So that says something. Don't underestimate what you bring to the table as part of our assembly, our community, our family here at this church. So, and and look, you guys could easily find someone online who's a better public speaker than I am. That's probably not that hard. You could probably find someone who's more charismatic than I am. You could probably find a church service that has music better tailored to your individual tastes. You could find that on the internet. But you can't replace the community that we have here, the body of Christ all working together with a TV, with a laptop, with however you're tuning in. A community is unreplaceable. unreplaceable via electronic or individual means. And, and that highlights something I kind of hinted at before. You know, there's, there's this confusion, again, as to what the church is. It, so many people talk about what they're wanting to get from church, as if this is some consumer thing that we're offering, as if we're the commercial industry and we're offering some kind of product. No, it's, that's not it at all. That's, that's the furthest thing from our hearts. It's not about what you can just get out of church, but what I can give. When people look at churches, people are asking these days, oh, what can I get from this church? Not rather, what can I give? How could I be a resource to this community? What gifts do I have that this church needs? What do I have? What skills and talents has God made me with that, I, that this church could use? I think if we all looked at the church that way, we would all be so much better off. Not just this place individual, the whole body of Christ worldwide. And... There are valid reasons why some people are hesitant to come to church. I get it. I get it. Even for reasons I haven't addressed. I've personally talked to people who have had traumatic incidents at a church, who have had horrible things happen to them, people who have been mistreated by congregants, people who have been wronged by the leadership. I get it, and it happens. You know, and to... And Matthew chapter 18 gives us great guidance for how to deal with those circumstances. But at best, those are good reasons to leave a church. But those are terrible reasons to sever yourself from your own spiritual oxygen tank. You are cutting yourself off from God's primary vehicle of blessings into your life. 
and robbing that same congregation of the gifts that God has given you. You know, I wasn't sure if I was going to share this, but the, the, if I were to ask you who was the most influential individual on the church in the last century, who would you say it would be? Some would say a theologian. Some would say, I don't know, a technology guy. I would argue to say Henry Ford radically changed the way the church looks. It's no longer about the church at the end of your driveway or at the end of the street. You can, you can drive to a church that meets those needs that you can be a blessing to. You know, I, I notice our parking lot has got a bunch of your cars in them. It's a blessing to all of us. There's a reason why many of us are here. It would be quite a walk for me. So there are ways to navigate these issues. If you have an, uh, an issue with an individual church, there are ways around it. So, sorry for getting off topic for a second, but I figured that was worth saying. I want to close with one final illustration, though, getting us back on topic. There are two C's in Israel. There's the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, and they couldn't be any more different. The Sea of Galilee is teeming with life. And, it's, and when you see the disciples fishing, it's always at the Sea of Galilee. And it's because there's a river going into the sea, bringing into it fresh water, fresh nutrients, and there's a, water go, and there's a river going out taking with it all the junk and all the waste stuff and filtering it, keeping it clean. And I think that is the perfect model for what we are as Christians. It, that sea receives and it gives. It does both. It, and that models what we do. We receive the word of God. We worship together. We pray together. We receive from each other. But we also give to one another as part of that one body mentality that we were talking about. Now the Dead Sea on the other hand is different because that same sea that flows through the Sea of Galilee stops at the Dead Sea. All that water drains into that one place and there's nothing alive in that whole sea. It's, it, it's got so much wastewater that there, and it, it, it I can't explain to you scientifically, but nothing you can't support life in that place. It's far too salty. And so it just, it just, and this problem is it just receives. It just receives and it doesn't have that outlet. And that to me just describes someone who receives from a church, but doesn't give back, isn't really part of the community that we have here. And without having that outlet, that chance to serve the Lord, that chance to bless and serve others, that to me just models dead spirituality is what it comes down to. <laughs> and finally, there's the person that is out there on their own, has their own spirituality, doesn't receive from the rest of the body, doesn't give to the rest of the body, has no outlet, and has no, has no inlet. Well, if that's you... That's just a puddle. That's just a spiritual puddle left to its own. And when something is left to its own, it's going to dry up. And I say that not out of judgment, but out of concern and care. We want to help you in that regard. Because we're not meant to be on our own. We're not meant to be out on our own, unaccountable, not being stirred up by others. 
God said as so much in the opening chapters of Genesis saying, it is not good that man should be alone. And if that's true for the husband and wife, how much more so for us all together? We're not meant to be alone. We're meant to have each other in the faith. And so we're meant to be in community, in fellowship, encouraging one another, using our gifts to help one another. So inevitably, when people will ask us in the future, hey, why can't you go ahead and go all virtual again? Just set up that camera in the back and empty the church. Well, I think I can say what our answer is going to be. We are going to meet for the same reason a fish gets wet. It's, it's just who we are, and it's just what we do. And it's what's best for all of us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.